from the National Press Club in Washington, D.C., this is Update One, the club's official podcast. It features newsworthy stories originating from the NPC facilities, as well as broader topics related to journalism, communications, press freedom, and transparency. I'm Adam Cano, and joining me today are two journalists to discuss the topic of press freedom. First is Rachel Oswald, chair of the National Press Club's Press Freedom Team and reporter at CQ Roll Call here in Washington, D.C. And Dagmar Thiel is head of the Latin American Press Freedom Advocacy Group, Fundamedios. Thank you both for joining me. Great to be here. Hey, thank you for having me here. Rachel, let's start with you. Uh, Before we talk with Dagmar about Latin America, can you provide a quick update on the case of Austin Tice. I know NPC President Jen Judson on day one of her presidency called on President Biden to prioritize Austin's release. What's the latest on his plight? Um, well, Austin is still not home with his family. It's been over a decade since he was kidnapped while reporting inside Syria. There has been more diplomacy um, surrounding Austin Austin Tice's case this year. Um, it has gotten more attention from the White House. Um, Austin's parents were able to meet with President Joe Biden. Um, there are Austin Tice's name is being discussed. The Syrian government is discussing him insofar as they're publicly denying holding custody of him. Um, uh, what we know is that behind the scenes, um, there there are conversations behind the scenes we have reason to believe between the Biden administration and the Syrian government of Damascus. Um, clearly, no deal has yet been announced that would secure Austin's release. Um, in the meantime, the National Press Club is working with Austin Tice's family to, as much as possible, make sure Austin's name continues to be um, forefront um, in the Biden administration's mind when think of foreign policy and Syria. Uh, the National Press Club is organizing events to um, uh, keep Austin's name um, out front, including a virtual 5K race um, that will be taking place on November 12th. Um, again, this the goal of this is to simply raise awareness and public support for Austin Tice um, and, and to try to bring him home to his family as soon as possible. The NPC's press freedom team has initiated a letter writing campaign pushing for the release of Maria Ressa of the news site Rappler. Remind us about how she ran afoul of the Filipino government and what we know about her situation these days. So um, the journalism uh, that Rappler produced that was critical of the uh, former uh, government of um, Philippine President Duterte um, uh, really upset uh, Duterte because they were um, they did a lot of journalism that was hard hitting, looking at um, the, um, you know, the 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 killings in the drug war that Duterte launched, um, the lack of due process in those killings and other policies. Um, That seems to be what um, what set off. Um, uh, the the judicial hunt against Rappler. Um, they have been they haven't shut down Rappler. Rappler continues to publish, but rather than um, rather than kind of using the playbook of old, you know, the old um, the old I guess Soviet days where they would have just arrested all the journalists and shut down the website. It sounds like they're trying to silence Rappler and their journalism through uh, death of a thousand cuts policy. They have launched just new numerous judicial actions against um, Rappler um, on really um, dubious legal grounds. Um, but they're making it really financially difficult for Rappler to continue operating. They're continuing to operate. 
Um, and so what we on the press freedom team and other freedom of the press organizations around the world are doing is we're also continuing to try to shine a light on Maria Reza. Um, uh, she's been, she received the Nobel Peace the Nobel Peace Prize Award last year. She continues to receive awards for her work from other institutes around the world. Um, and we launched a letter writing campaign, uh, which basically urges Americans to write to their senators and US representatives to demand to the Philippine government, which um, has a new president now, Marcos Jr., to demand that rule of law be followed in the case of Maria Reza. Um, we we believe that these uh, legal charges against her are are ridiculous. Um, they're paper charges, and um, we 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 don't think that a, a country that was honestly following the rule of law would continue to pursue this case against Maria Reza. So we just really want lawmakers to press this case to the Philippines, which is a very important regional uh, ally for security and for trade. And we have significant people-to-people uh, -people exchanges, and we expect a country of this importance, the United States, to behave according to the rule of law, particularly to journalists. So that's the message we're trying to send. Relatively close here in our backyard, the National Press Club uh, last month called on the Haitian government to bring to justice the killers of journalists France and Charles and Tace and Lartigue. Was their reportage a possible motive for double murder? Um, we don't have a, a ton of insight into what happened down there just because of the political instability going on right now in Haiti. What we do know is that those two journalists are part of a group of journalists that were seeking to report on the spreading uh, civil unrest in Haiti um, when they um, appeared to be targeted by um, a mob of a. a, a gang violence, a mob, uh, they were they were murdered and their bodies were set on fire. Um, just a tragic, horrible event. Um, these haven't been the first deaths in Haiti of journalists, unfortunately, in recent years, but we pray it'll be the last. But this is this is a deteriorating situation, and I, I don't really have any good news to share about it. Let's turn to Dagmar. Rachel used the word uh, deteriorating, and unfortunately, I think we could use that word to talk about the situation in Latin America with regard to press freedom. Uh, Mexico has already set a record for the number of journalists killed in the country this year. And we've seen troubling intimidation and incarceration of journalists across the region, including in places like uh, Nicaragua, Venezuela, Cuba, and Guatemala. What is happening in Latin America with regards to press freedom? Yes, uh, it's really uh, worsening what's happening in Latin America. And thank you, Adam, for shining a light uh, on Latin America uh, regarding freedom of the press. Unfortunately, in our continent, journalism is being considered a crime. And journalists in almost all the countries are being subjected to aggressions, physical attacks, online harassment, derogatory discourse for public officials, lawsuits to intimidate or stop journalists from denouncing corruption, and of course, arbitrary detentions and assassinations of journalists as the worst form of silencing those who seek the truth. 2022 has been a bloody year, a bloody, really bloody year, with 36 journalists killed in the Americas. The number depends of the organization that counts, but the YAPA, the Inter-American Press Association, counts already 36. Only in Mexico do we count 17 journalists, 30 of them directly related to their work. 
Mexico is the deadliest country in the world to be a journalist, even lethal than Ukraine, which all we know is in war with eight journalists dead, or Yemen with three. Also, journalist Roberto Carlos Mesa Flores has been missing in Chiapas since September 20. Reporters normally know where they go home or how they to go home. So who is kidnapping him? Who has him? So we probably think he will be one more in this lethal count. But as Rachel already mentioned, we have five journalists killed this year in uh, Haiti. We have two in Brazil, two in Colombia, two in Honduras, one in Paraguay, one in Venezuela, and one in Chile, which used to be considered a quite safe country for journalists to work. And uh, we count, of course, among these uh, killings, the horrendous crime of Jess, Jeff German, uh, who was murdered in Las Vegas, allegedly by an, an affected official uh, by his reporting. Compared to the fast identification of the suspected murderer in the US, in Latin America, investigations to serve justice are slow or almost inexistent. In most of the cases, um, investigations try to blame the high crime rate as a reason, but uh, internet, intellectual perpetrators don't get their hands dirty or entire normally shooters to do their job. Um, or organizations internationally and international standards that uphold safety of journalists insist on considering the work of journalists and their publications as the first premises to investigate violent deaths. And of course, assassinations are the worst form of silencing the press. But there is a growing authoritarian trend in the region and uh, opposers to a free press are intimidating journalists with lawsuits. Many administrations that have absolute power and controlled legislative and judicial power first have prepared all the legal ground and started their persecutions of journalism. Uh, we have uh, seen this for over 60 years in Cuba, where freedom of the press is in existence. We have seen it in Venezuela for the past 20 years, where press has been disseminated. But we have seen a high-speed track in Nicaragua. Between 2018 and 2020, the authoritarian government of Daniel Ortega and his wife, and also Vice President Rosario Murillo, orchestrated the legal framework to silence not only the press, but the whole civil society. The Nicaraguan repression has a civil crime law that punishes opinion. It has a foreign agent law that punishes those who get funding from abroad. So if you got an ICFJ grant for investigation, you committed a crime. And what have been the consequences for the media? Well, eight media workers are jailed in the most inhuman conditions since summer 2021. They are the sports journalist Miguel Mendoza, uh, the 100% Noticias founder Miguel Mora, the publisher of La Prensa Juan Holman, and the media workers Walter Fletes, Marco Gomez, Pedro Vasquez, Carlos Lam, and Mario Sanchez. They are the same as 200 political prisoners in the police investigation facility called El Nuevo Chipote, which is a police torture center and not a detention facility. Some of them are kept in solitary confinement for over a year, deprived of sleep with the light on 24 hours or in absolute darkness for a month, deprived of blankets or enough food. Some say they can count the beans they get in their menestra with rice. So they are absolute skinny and have several health conditions that have not been treated. 
prisoners in El Chipotle are not allowed to talk to others, although already corrupt justices have sentenced them to nine or 13 years in jail, they still suffer exhaustive interrogations. Most of them have had only eight to 10 visits in 15 months. And this means they are allowed to see their lawyer or their family members, not both at the same time. They cannot read, they are not allowed to write, they cannot get correspondence from their family members. And the only way political prisoners have had to be allowed to a visit or a phone call with their kids is through hunger strikes. The only way in which Miguel Mora, the owner of the confiscated TV channel 100% Noticias, could see his disabled son Miguelito after 53 days of hunger strike. And that's the same way other journalists, also called Miguel, Miguel Mendoza, he is the sports writer whose crime was to express his opinions to the government on Facebook. The complicit justices have sentenced him to nine years in jail for undermining national integrity. Today, we have Monday, October 3rd, he is already 16 days in hunger strike to demand his right to see his daughter, Alejandra. We trust Alejandra, who is eight years old, can see his father soon. Although it must be a shock for kids to see their parents in those conditions. But there are other journalists under house arrest. It's Cristiana Chamorro. She's the daughter of uh, former president Violeta Chamorro. Violeta won Daniel Ortega in the elections of 1990. So he has, uh, he has something against the family. He has his political reasons. And under house arrest is also Cristiana's brother, Joaquin Chamorro, uh, both members of the board of directors of the newspaper La Prensa, a paper owned by the Chamorro family. And the third brother, Carlos Fernando Chamorro, who directs the digital magazine Confidencial and the weekly program Esta Semana, is in exile in Costa Rica. But in addition, the political commenter Jaime Arellano is under house arrest. All of them have been accused and sentenced for money laundering, undermining the nation's integrity and whatsoever. 54 media organizations have been closed. Among them, the oldest newspaper, La Prensa. Its publisher, Juan Holman, has been jailed since the police raided the newspaper in August 2021. The government has removed equipment and started construction in the occupied place. What worries most, additionally, uh, is that historical archives of the century-old newspaper are being destroyed. A very tough group of journalists still publish La Prensa from exile. Almost 140 journalists, Nicaraguan journalists, are in exile now. And there are very few left that are reporting about what's happening in Nicaragua. Those journalists that are still in Nicaragua, they cannot they are not allowed into public institutions. They cannot film. They cannot go out to the street with the phone. Sources don't talk to them. They are afraid. Families are afraid, are intimidated. CNN in Spanish has been blocked from broadcasting in Nicaragua. And uh, repression starts silencing uh, journalists, but it goes on with civil society. Almost 2,000 civil society organizations have been prohibited in Nicaragua, among them all the Catholic uh, organizations. And what's happened in silence in Nicaragua since 2018, with the world not paying too much attention, is being copied. Central America is on a fast track to dictatorship. In El Salvador, the populist president, Najib Bukele, aims for re-election, despite this is being prohibited for, for, by the Constitution. But he will break the law and go on. For now, he has issued a law threatening with 15 years in jail 
for whom dares to talk about dealing with what he's doing with the gangs. So now the editorial staff of the digital media El Faro, they are all in exile, but their phones were hacked with surveillance uh, uh, software Pegasus, the same as also Mexican journalists were hacked. And the Guatemala, uh, the right-wing president, uh, Alejandro Yamate, has accused Jose Ruben Zamora, founder and publisher of El Periódico, of money laundering. He's already two months in jail after a speedy process of 72 hours, where he was accused without any evidence. By the way, he is kept in a cell infested of insects and uh, in very bad conditions. Then we do have also in Venezuela, Rolando Carreño, he's already two years in jail uh, in also bad conditions. So these are probably some or the worst cases I can mention uh, for Latin America where cybercrime defamation lawsuits are being used daily uh, in many other countries to keep journalists away from investigating. No, um, thanks. Um, and you, and, and you, you, you certainly anticipated my next couple of questions, <laughs> which would have been about, um, you know, the uh, other forms of, of, of violence and harassment that are used against reporters. So you've talked about the fact that they can't even go out on the streets and, and report um, just very, very quickly. Anything else you want to say on that topic? Journalists are being harmed also by the civil society. And this is part of the derogatory discourse, no? Yeah. So, I mean, given that there are these um, structural conditions, right? So, I mean, you, you talked about, you know, corrupt government authorities and criminal networks and all these sort of different aspects that that you have in, 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 in some of these states in Latin America um, that make it so hard for reporters to operate freely uh, um, and sustainably in the region with regard to their reportage. So what can U.S. citizens and and organizations outside uh, do to help try to make uh, this situation more feasible for journalists operating in Latin America? Adam, I think it's key uh, that the U.S. keep an eye on what's happening in Latin America. We are so close to the U.S., and despite that, the eyes of the U.S. are not always put on what's happening in Latin America. It's very important what you are doing right now to keep the light on because there are too many things happening and impunity is the norm. 90%, over 90% of these crimes haven't been uh, brought to justice. So there, there are no consequences. And uh, uh, the president of all these countries, they can lie, they can insult, they can arrest, they can kill uh, or, or, the, or, or all, it, it can happen to journalists and there are no consequences. So that's very important to keep a light on as we're keeping a light on what's happening with Maria Reza uh, or what we are every day talking about what's happening with, uh, with Austin. It's, it's so important to keep a light on and to ask for these people. And next year or in a couple of months, again, how is uh, Jose Ruben Zamora doing? How are the Miguels in Nicaragua doing? How is Rolando in Venezuela doing? Please ask us always because we need to keep the light on. No, Dagmar, we will definitely have you back. And Rachel, just to close, I know the last time we spoke, you had talked about some potential collaboration across the National Press Club teams uh, in support of press freedom. Where do you think those synergies lie at the moment? 
Um, well, we on the press freedom team have found a lot of great synergies with the International Correspondence Committee. Unfortunately, that's because um, it's so many international journalists that are under threat. So we collaborated in, in late August on a pretty successful panel that C-SPAN carried um, looking at situation for Afghan journalists um, one year after the Taliban took over the country. Um, we want to do more of that kind of programming. Um, I am thinking I'm still developing ideas for potential policy responses, but as press freedom conditions continue to deteriorate around the world, um, I do think that I, I, I'm interested in looking at how the U.S. government boosts its response to keep these journalists safe. So thinking about ways the committees at the press club can um, effectively find ways to um, uh, promote solution solutions possibly to getting more journalists out of harm's way. And also, um, as Dagmar mentioned, um, so many journalists are in ag exile now, 140 in Nicaragua. These are journalists that just because they're in exile, if they want to, I hope they can still do journalism. And so what are ways that people in America, the U.S. government, other concerned other concerned places can continue to support journalists in exile to continue to do the hard hitting journalism that we know is so important. So um, still working on ideas around that. Um, we um, we with the press freedom team are doing some stuff under the radar um, to try to help some journalists. And we can talk more about that publicly when if, if it's appropriate at the time. But um, we welcome more volunteers. People want to reach out to me um, to get involved in the committee. That's great. Um, we always need more bodies for the work, unfortunately. It's very true. Uh, Rachel and Dagmar, thank you so much for your time. Rachel Oswald is chair of the National Press Club's Press Freedom Team. You can follow her coverage on Twitter at Oswald Rachel. Dagmar Thiel is head of the Latin American Press Freedom Advocacy Group, Fundamedios. You can learn more about her work at Dagmar Thiel and at Fundamedios. I'm Adam Cano. Thanks again for listening. You have been listening to Update One, the official podcast of the National Press Club, the world's leading professional organization for journalists and a vigorous advocate of press freedom worldwide. If you have any questions or comments about Update One, send an email to updateonepodcast at gmail.com.